Welcome to Confessions of a Serial Seller. And I have one of my absolute heroes. Well, I, I've got to say, I don't want to make the man blush, but I, I've learned more from this guy than probably over 150 salespeople that I've worked with. The one and only Jeb Blunt is on my podcast. Jeb, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me on. I'm truly grateful. Those are very kind words. Um, I'm, uh, I'm thrilled to be here and to forgive my voice. I'm over. I'm just, I've been fighting laryngitis for the last month and a half. And That's this wild. is our busy year. So I'm speaking almost every single day, but, uh, but thank you so much for having me on. I'm, 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 I'm as honored as you are. Thank you. No, I really appreciate it. So I might just kick off, if you don't mind, if you can just tell the audience a little bit about you, you know, your, your, your background and, and how you got to where you are in, in sales. Sure. I, you know, I've been in sales pretty much my entire life. I, you know, right out of college, our university, as you would say in the UK, um, but right out of university, I, uh, I went right into a sales job and I started with a company called Nutrisystem. Then I moved with, to a company called Aramark, um, which is a big global company. I started there uh, basically, you know, I just started an entry level job driving a truck for them, selling stuff out of the back of a truck. Uh, and, and within, gosh, 10 years of that, I was the vice president of sales. Uh, I, um, I hit all kinds of records. So I was, it was just something that I was good at. So I broke company records year in and year out. And the total number of uh, deals that I sold, uh, I've got trophies. I went to president's club, all those things. And then back in, uh, 2007, 2008, during the, the financial global financial crisis, um, the, I, I had a pretty big executive job in the, you know, in the, uh, in the executive, uh, suite. Um, but because of the financial crisis, a lot of companies were doing downsizing and I was faced with a decision to, um, either take another job inside that company, move to another company, which I, I considered doing or start my own company. And I made a decision to be an entrepreneur, just, you know, to chase my entrepreneurial dreams. That was 13 years ago. I started a company called Sales Gravy. I wrote 11 books along the way. Wow. Um, when I stopped, it was just me on a phone doing cold calls to you know anybody that I could find that would uh, that would hire us. Today we're a global sales and training company. We're a, we have a consulting firm. Um, we have a e-learning business um, that we both sell e-learning and we build e-learning for other companies. So we own a company called Knowledge Studios that does that. Wow. Uh, and uh, and we uh, we we've, we've built a, a global footprint. Uh, and today we started off, I mean, literally, when I say I started off cold calling, I started off like sitting in my office in my house, banging the phone every single day. Today we're tracking towards $25 million in sales wow. uh, as, as, a, as an organization. And we're continuing to build and grow, uh, you know, our presence uh, in, on the global stage as a training company. So it's been a, you know, it's been a really, really fun ride. Along the way, when you talk about sales, you know, serial mm -hmm. sales, was it confessions of a serial seller? That's right. You know, every we've done is selling. And even this morning, I woke, I woke up and got on the horn with my team. And I'm like, guys, you know, we've got, you know, this sort of this kind of crisis is going on, on the globe right now. We need to double down on our prospecting. We need to talk to more people. Yeah. Um, we need more into the pipeline. And it's going to be harder because we're going to have more deals fall out because people are going to get nervous and scared. So we need to have more deals that we're working on. Yeah. So every single day that we work every day of my life, I'm selling something. Yeah. Uh, and working on deals and you know it's been a it's been a fun ride I've, I've you know last you know 30 years or so of selling has been amazing that's incredible and you said that you know when you started out within 
10 years you, you were VP, what would you have said that success in sales was down to? Well, there's, there's, there's five disciplines and, you know, I focus on, in my, in my practice, building ultra high performers. So we were talking about the top 20%, but, you know, we've, we've, we spent a lot of time and a lot of effort on what does it take to be an ultra high performer And the book, one of the books I wrote called sales EQ, yeah, really get into, right. But there, but there are five core disciplines of, of ultra high performers in sales. Number one is time discipline. So how you use your time. So the number one thing for salespeople is you have 24 hours a day and how you choose to use your time is either the greatest determiner of your success yeah. or the greatest threat to success. Yeah. Number two, pipeline discipline. So you just heard my pitch on pipeline. Without a pipe, you have nothing. So yeah. I don't care how good you are, what you are, every day you've got to be working on your pipeline. And that means putting new things into the pipeline and advancing the deals that you have through the pipeline. Yeah. And then, of course, the deals that aren't going to close out of the pipeline so that you don't spend your time on things that don't matter. And by the way, the most expensive use of a salesperson's time is spending it on the wrong deal. Yeah. Number three is probability discipline. And that is exactly what I just said, which is your ability to then win probability in your favor through the things that you do. And we wrote about this in sales EQ, I wrote about this in my brand new book, Inked. Um, so what are you doing in terms of bending the probability you're going to win the deal in your favor? That means executing the sales process, managing human relationships, mm. um, but also having the wherewithal to understand what are the deals in your pipe? What's the probability you're going to win that deal? And then getting rid of the low probability deals so you can focus your time, the limited time that you have, on the high probability deals. Yeah. Number four, emotional discipline. Emotional discipline is the heart of selling. So our Achilles heel as salespeople is emotional discipline. And you know this, I know this, like we are highly emotional creatures yeah. and sales is an emotional profession. It's ups and downs, it's wins and losses. Yeah. And our ability to manage our emotions allows us to, to influence the emotions of other people. There's yeah. a couple of principles that I think are important. In every sales conversation, it's the human being that exerts the greatest emotional control who has the highest probability of getting the outcome that they desire. Yeah. And also understanding that the greatest emotional foundation for a salesperson is relaxed assertive confidence. Mm. So when you have all of your emotions, you can influence the emotions of other people. Mm. And the fifth, fifth discipline for ultra performers is people discipline or people savvy, your ability to deal with other people. This is sales EQ, the ability to manage your emotions, the ability to, to understand the emotions and influence the emotions of other people. So as a sales professional, your ability to learn about how people make decisions, yeah. to learn influence frameworks, to learn how to deal with other people. And this is a learned behavior, something you have to learn how to do. I did, you did, everybody does. And it's the ability to constantly focus on the human beings that are in front of you, understand what it is that they need from you to make a decision, and then change your behavior and shape your behavior so that you yeah. can move their behavior. And when you get those five disciplines in place, time discipline, pipeline discipline, problem, probability discipline, emotional discipline and people discipline, it's almost impossible for you to fail. So early on in my career, I had some really great leaders who helped me hone those skills along the way, which is why I had such a rapid, you know, through the corporate world and a huge company, a Fortune 200 company. But it was really, for me, it was about the leaders and the coaches and the people that I had around me who were constantly investing in me and helping me get better at what I did which is incredible. And I think if you talk about the five disciplines, actually, the key, the thread amongst all of them was that word 
discipline. And I know in, in one of Anthony's um, three books I read, I think chapter one was self-discipline. What, what, what advice can you give our listeners, though, who, you know, they, they say, I want to do this, I want to do this, but they just don't. How can they develop that? Well, I mean, you just nailed it right there. So, so a lot of people don't understand what discipline is. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm a simple guy. Like, I just dial things into the most simple way of thinking about it. All discipline is is sacrificing what you want now for yeah. what you want most. So if you are, if you are having a hard time and you say, I really want to, but I don't, right, then you don't know what you want most. You, you, you aren't tapping into your desire or yeah. your why or any of those things. Until you know what you want most, it's hard to sacrifice what you want now. Yeah. But that's what discipline is. Almost everything that we do in sales is hard. I mean, yeah. the easy thing is doing the deal and celebrating and, you know, getting the commission check. But those, that's the easy part. All, everything that comes before closing is difficult. It's, yeah. it's hard to prospect. In fact, you know, I, I, the way that I define prospecting is long stretches of suck um, interrupted by brief moments of elation, right? So yeah. you have to... You have to prospect. Well, prospecting and working through the sales process and planning and strategy and tactics, all of those things, you have to pay for, for your success in sales in advance by doing those hard things. Yeah. So almost everything that we do is hard. Well, if you have to do something that's hard, then you know the typical human behavior is that we procrastinate yeah. or we become perfectionists trying to get everything you know perfect before we do anything or we get paralyzed by wondering what might happen if we do these things. I call these the three P's, but if you, if you, if you think about it, the way that you break through those three P's, paralysis from analysis, perfectionism, and procrastination, is that you have to have something on the other side that you want more, yes. and that is the desire, which is why I believe in my heart that every sales professional needs to have a firm set of goals. You have to have goals. Uh, and if you have a set of goals and you've written these goals down and you know what you want, then it's much easier for you to get past that thing inside of you that says, whoa, 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 I'm not going to do that today. I'll do it tomorrow. Yes. Discipline is sacrificing what you want now for what you want most. I love that. And, and clearly, co-calling, prospecting, whatever you call it, was came quite natural to you. And, and it's something that I love, but so many of my clients are petrified and and I guess rejection is what, what scares them most. So what, what advice have you got of how they can change how they look at that? Well, first of all, I think that we have to recognize that the fear of rejection as human beings is not a psychological issue, it's a biological issue. Mm. So when, when, we, when we were evolving as human beings, we lived in small groups, um, mm. typically around a campfire, we depended on each other. So getting kicked out of the group or being ostracized or being rejected by yeah. the group a lot of cases was a death sentence because if you got kicked out, like there are wild animals trying to eat you, there are warring tribes, there's, there's, no, there's no warmth, there's no protection. So human beings who grew up, they basically evolved a sensitivity to rejection, were more likely to pass on their genes. So as human beings, it's natural to feel a fear for rejection. Now, there are people like you and people like me who are less sensitive to it, and there are a lot of salespeople who are less sensitive to rejection, but yeah. let's not, let's not you know, glorify that. Rejection sucks. We, nobody likes it. And, and everybody, I think, unless you're a sociopath and you're thinking about prospecting or walking into a strange store or interrupting someone, everybody feels some level of fear before they do that. And I've been cold calling for years, and you know, every day that first couple of phone calls – 
it's, it's a little bit terrifying. You don't know what's going to happen on the other on the other side of the phone. So I think when I'm working with salespeople who feel that level of rejection, the first thing I say is, look, just accept it. It's who you are. There's nothing that's going to change that. And me telling you to let it roll off your back is is you know is disingenuous. It yeah. is the truth. It's real. So it's like anything that's difficult, and we just talked about this, right? Mm-hmm. You have to know what you want on the other side in yeah. order to get yourself into a state where you're willing to jump through that initial hurdle of rejection. Now, yeah. for most people, they start, it gets a little bit easier. And the reason that it gets easier is something called obstacle immunity. And obstacle immunity is what you learn, for example, in a Spartan race, or if you're in the military and you run through drills before you go into battle, um, or if you go to outward bound and they put you through a series of situations where you have to adversity, that's obstacle immunity, which is why once you start prospecting and you do it on a regular basis, it typically gets easier and easier and easier because you get to face the obstacle over and over yeah. and you figure out the stranger that you're interrupting is actually not going to hurt you. Yeah. You're going to be okay. So, so that's one of the things. Now, there's a couple other things that I, that I say to people who have a difficult a difficulty with cold calling or prospecting in general. So not all prospecting is pure cold calling. And, and in fact, most people don't really understand what a cold call is anymore. But, but if, if, if you feel that fear, one, one of the drills that we run people through are called high-intensity prospecting sprints. So we'll sit down with a group of salespeople and we'll say, look, you have 15 minutes to make 15 dials and set one appointment. So we'll run phone blocks that way, and we'll run 15 minutes at a time. 15 minutes, we'll stop, take a break, then 15 minutes more, stop, take a break, 15 minutes more, stop, take a break. Because it turns out that most human beings can prospect, even if they're like the scaredest human beings in the world, for 15 minutes, you can do it. Yeah. So you go bam, 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 bam. So, so we, run, you know, we run phone calls because the phone, whether we want to admit it or not, is still the most powerful tool in sales. Yeah. Um, and you know, and then we can we can work on email blocks and social pro, you know social prospecting blocks things like that. If you're an, a field salesperson, we'll take people out and we'll uh, we'll run them through a process of making five cold calls, walking indoors around a single appointment. Love it. People can do that. Five calls, right? So what we do is we break it down in these high intensity prospecting sprints. We call them hips, and it turns out that when people do that a little bit every day, they win. And this is the other piece. Most salespeople, because they procrastinate on prospecting, because prospecting is uncomfortable, they procrastinate and procrastinate and procrastinate until they're prospecting on like one day a week. So they have prospecting day. Now, if you're watching or listening to this, hear me out. There is no such thing as prospecting day. It's prospecting every day. And if you break prospecting up into an hour a day, for most B2B sales reps, an hour a day, that would be four 15-minute sprints of pure prospecting, it doesn't include what you might have to do for planning or what you might have to do to load everything into your CRM. But if you spend about an hour a day, the cumulative impact of a little bit of prospecting every day is massive. It yeah. will change life. It will change your income. It will change everything. Mm-hmm. So instead of putting it off or picking a day to do prospecting, get up every morning, make the first thing you do in the morning prospecting, eat the frog, eat the, you know, do the nastiest thing that you can think about. Do that first. Do it for an hour and then move on with the rest of your day. If you're an account manager, so you manage a book of accounts and you have to prospect inside those accounts or you have to add a few more, you can spend a half an hour a day, two, two 15-minute blocks every single day. The cumulative impact on your pipeline over time is just massive. I love that. That's really solid advice. And you mentioned earlier, Jeff, that you, know, you had some amazing leaders surrounded you where you know, which helped you get that instant growth, really. What's one of the best bits of advice you've been, you were ever given 
from some of the, the leaders that you've learned from? It, it would be that piece of advice. I mean, I think the best piece of advice from the leaders that I worked for was pipeline discipline. Build the pipe, yeah. build the pipe, build the pipe. And I got that very early on from a really, really good sales manager who, when I was afraid of getting on the phone, grabbed me by my shirt collar, set me down with a list, and said, dial the phone. Now, the beautiful thing about this leader is it didn't, he didn't say dial the phone and then go to his computer and get on the email. He sat with me, helped me get through it, coached me through it, and then we did it again and again and again. But he also never quit reminding me that as a sales professional, the pipeline is number one. Yeah. The second thing that he did for me was he helped me, and, and I had a number of leaders who did this, helped me really understand strategy when you're working on large accounts. So I think for every salesperson, especially you're new, you're going to start working on small accounts yeah. because your company's smart. They're not going to give you the biggest opportunities. Sure. Larger accounts take more time. They take more effort. They take a lot more focus on win probability, qualifying, uh, understanding all the stakeholders that you're going to be dealing with, making sure that you're asking the right question, especially around competitive displacement. Yeah. So I learned through leaders how to manage these larger accounts and take them all the way to close, some of which would take, you know, I had one, one of my biggest deals took two years to close, mm -hmm. and that was in this process. So it was a, you know, a long, long, long sales cycle. So um, I learned how to do that, took the training wheels off, got better and better. Yes. But the thing is that in order to run a large account, you have to have deep emotional discipline. Yeah. The fastest, easiest way to have emotional discipline is to have a full pipeline. If yeah. you have a full pipeline, you can sell like you don't have to sell. And mm -hmm. when you sell, you can you don't have to sell, you get relaxed, assertive confidence, yeah. which allows you to bend and shape the behaviors of the stakeholders that you're selling to. Love that. Love that. Absolute gold there. I, you, you mentioned you've been selling now for, you know, 30 years. If, if you could go back to your, your first sales job and give yourself some advice from what you know now, you know, that the 11 books you've written and the sales grades you've been around, what, what advice would you give yourself? It's, it's not what people normally think, but I would have told myself to enjoy it more. You know, I loved being a sales professional. I loved the wins. I loved um, the game of selling. And I was so ambitious when I was, in, you know, in my, in my, in my 20s. Yeah. And I wanted everything. And I, and I listened, like, I listened to Jim Rohn's Ambition. He had this, you know, it was in cassette tapes at the yeah. time. But I wore it out and listened to it again, listened to it again, listened to it again. Uh, I listened to Tony Robbins over and over, Brian Tracy, Tom Hopkins, Zig Ziglar. Like I listen to these guys in my car all the time and I wanted to grow and get promoted so fast. And I worked on some amazing sales teams with some incredible people. And it was, you know, it was so much fun. Yeah. And I think that I, I truly took the time to enjoy the ride as much as I should have because I just wanted to get to the next level. And my advice to people in that position is, look, don't, that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be ambitious, um, but make sure that you, you know, you take time to, you know, pinch yourself and realize that you're yeah. in the greatest profession in the world. Yeah. You can call your, you know, when I was 26 years old, and this was in the mid nineties, um, you know, I, I, um, I got, I just dated myself, um, yeah. but, but I was, you know, I was making $300,000 a year selling the mid 90s so if you just do the math on inflation it was a lot of money back then and uh and, and i just never really like totally appreciated where i was and if i could give myself advice it would be jeb slow down put a smile on your face like lift your shoulders up and uh and just totally enjoy what you're doing yeah i love that i mean if there was sort of one sales mantra 
that you had that you sort of lived by? What would that that one thing be? Do you think? When it's the end of the day, when you're tired, when you're worn out, when it's the end of your phone block, when you don't think you can take any more rejection, any more no's, when you're at the point where your brain is telling you, turn it off, go home, make one more call. Okay. Well, and why, why do you think that's so important? It's, it's, that, it's that discipline. So mm -hmm. that's the place where your, your brain is playing tricks on you. It's saying you can't do any more. And when you make one more, and, and this is my mantra, I've, um, I even have it written inside of my uh, suit jackets to remind I myself. I have it, um, like it's on the back of my phone, love one more that. call. It, um, so uh, it's that one thing, and you know, how many one more calls have turned into millions of dollars for me? Yeah. And you know, how many times when I've been ready to give up, or you know, I've been saying to myself, look, you know, I'm just gonna take the rest of the day off, I'm gonna slack off, whatever. Um, I'm going to do one more. And it's, a, it's something in, you know, it's a, in athletics. Um, it's, you know, the mantra is never take a play off, like never rest, hustle, you know, run it out, do, you know, act like every, like every play is the most important play. Yeah. It's the same thing. In, you know, you got to act like every minute of the day is most important. And when you will yourself to make one more, you, it's just amazing what happens because sometimes it turns into two, three, four, five, or it's the one call that you need to make that day yeah. to turn the entire round. I love that. And you, you know, you've clearly got so much energy. And, and this is with Larry, you know, with you, you're suffering, as you said at the beginning of this podcast. How, how do you, when you're making these cold calls, you know, even if you're doing it in 15 minute chunks, how do you maintain your energy levels throughout the day, you know, every day? Uh, you know, for me, with prospecting in particular, it's about faith. So, and this is, and like, if you're 23 years old, 24 years old, you don't really know this faith. I have to tell you about faith. Yeah. But if you've been, if you've been in the sales profession for 30 years, yeah. and, you know, and, and you've earned millions of dollars along the way in commissions, yeah. um, you know, selling, um, what you find is that I have deep faith that when I'm prospecting, the cumulative impact of that prospecting will pay off. I know that's going to happen. So I know if this 15-minute block doesn't go well, or if that 15-minute block doesn't go well, that that's not the whole game. Mm -hmm. I also recognize that um, prospecting is not a quid pro quo. In other words, we're, we're, other words, I don't prospect today and usually get something today. Yeah. I prospect today and get something tomorrow. It's something called the 30-day rule. The 30-day rule simply says that the prospecting that you do in any given 30-day period has a tendency to pay off over the next 90 days. Yeah. So you, when you enter sales with that faith, the work that I'm doing today will pay off. Yeah. It's easy to keep your energy up because I know that I'm going to win. I just know that. Like I, 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 it's like the universe is going to reward that, and it always does, and it always has. Yeah. That doesn't mean that there aren't times when you're prospecting and you're getting told no and you're getting your head bashed in that you don't get a little bit down. Like, but you got to go back and remind yourself yeah. about what it is you want, your desire, and continue to have faith that when I do this activity every day, every day, every day, every day, it pays off. And that's really where my energy comes from. It also comes from a love of my profession. I love sales. I love it. I wake up every day. It energizes me. I dig the game. I love being in a world where I can call my shots, where I get paid based on, on my worth, what I do, yeah. the value that I 
gate. Yeah. I'm not sitting in an office where, you know, I, the only way I'm going to get a raise is that, you know, maybe the boss is nice to me and gives me a 3% raise this year or maybe not. I know that in any economy, in any place, in any time, in anywhere that I can survive and thrive and outgun everybody because it's all on me. I love it. Your passion is infectious and so visible. I mean, I've read, I've read, I haven't read all 11 of your books, but I've read a few of them. And, and Sales EQ for me was a game changer. I, I love that book. Um, what would you say out of all the books you, you've written, if you could share maybe your three golden nuggets, your best tips, what would they be? I, my brand new book, Inked, that just came out, um, is a sales negotiation book. Um, I think the book's the best book that I've written, and I think that you know, people are telling me it's the best book I've written. Fanatical Prospecting is a global bestseller. Um, you know, and you just talked to uh, Anthony, you know, Anarino, and he calls it the Harry Potter of sales uh, <laughs> books. Um, but inked, in Inked, um, I lay out a strategy called MLP strategy, uh, and it's, the strategy is motivation, leverage, and power. So basically the premises, and I think that anybody who is in sales will get this, is that most salespeople walk into the sales process at a weaker position than the people that they're selling to. Mm -hmm. And the reason buyers ultimately have more alternatives. One of their alternatives is to do nothing. And yeah. they always have the alternative in a lot of cases to do it in-house. Yeah. Um, they have the alternative to go to any of your competitors or to stay with one of the competitors they already have. So they have a lot of alternatives. And you as a salesperson, you know, the only way that you have alternatives is you have multiple deals in your pipeline. So, as you walk into a deal, especially when you walk into the close, into the negotiation, you're dealing with people who have more power than you. Yeah. And as a salesperson, that can be disconcerting. And, and I think that, that really anybody who's in sales knows that feeling where you want to be in control and you don't feel like you're in control. So, so the only way to, to gain power or to, you know, to, to get power is to neutralize or eliminate the perceived alternative that your buyer has. Yeah. And alternatives are perceptions. I mean, they're real, but they're, they're perceptions. The buyer says, at this perception. And that begins with motivation. So motivation is an inverse relationship to power. Motivation is the individual stakeholders desire motivation to do business with you. So if you go back to EQ, like part of sales EQ was the human relationship in sales. So it's a yeah. connecting with other people emotionally. So we have to connect with other people emotionally understand all the stakeholders and we have to do that in a way that makes them want to do business with us yeah. and what they want to, they want to figure out a way at the same time, we have to build a business case that begins to eliminate and neutralize the other alternatives they have. And yeah. we do that by shaping the sales, their buying process to our sales process. We talk about that in sales EQ and we do that through a series of micro commitments. In other words, we're advancing the sale yeah. and essentially we're engineering the relationship. And the way that we do that with people that are more powerful than we are is we use leverage. Yeah. And for salespeople, this is important. Like this is the number one rule of sales. You never give leverage away for free. Yeah. So leverage is your information. Leverage is your pricing. Leverage is your proposal. Mm. Um, leverage is to engage. Um, leverage can be non-complimentary behavior, relaxed assertive confidence. Yeah. Leverage can be obligation. So if I do something nice for you, like say, listen to you, you feel an obligation to do something nice for me, yeah. like move to the next step in the sales process. Yeah. So 
So, so three core tips for salespeople. Number one, you know, understand that the sales process, executing the sales process, building your business case, your proposal, asking questions, doing discovery, is about you eliminating or neutralizing the perceived alternatives of the stakeholders. Love that. So that they see you as their only or their number one alternative. Yeah. At the same time, the motivators are, are build the emotional motivation of the stakeholders to do business with you. And that, that's an individual thing. They want to do business with you. Therefore, they're engaged, they're leaning in, they're working with you. And in order to accomplish both of those things, you have to hold on to your leverage and you have to use your leverage to compel these stakeholders who are in a more powerful position to you to change their behavior mm-hmm. so that you can engineer the sales process so you can accomplish those two goals. My love best it. tips. They are awesome. I absolutely love it. Where, where can anyone listen to this? And I can imagine their heads nodding now, ready to come off the amount they, they've taken. Where can they access, Jeb, some of your stuff? Absolutely. Well, the, the easiest way is to go to salesgravy.com, S-A-L-E-S, gravy.com. Looks like that, my logo. Um, so salesgravy.com. Um, there's tons of free resources on salesgravy.com. Um, and if you want to take some of our courses, you can click on the e-learning button at the very top right. in the menu, the e-learning link. So there's more courses there, but there's tons of free content on Sales Gravy. You can also catch me at jebblunt.com, B-L-O-U-N-T. So that's my personal website. So if you want to learn more about me, you can go there. Um, there's a couple other places. So um, you've got a podcast. I've got a podcast called Sales Gravy. Yeah. Uh, type in Sales Gravy in my name. Um, we've been podcasting since 2007. Um, 19 million downloads. So, um, wow. it's that uh, and also check me out on my YouTube channel. So, um, YouTube forward slash sales gravy. I think there's 510 videos up now. We add new videos every single day. So there's more videos coming out just about every day. We go there, more content. And of course, um, connect with me on or follow me. I don't know if, I don't know if I have any more connections left, but you can follow yeah. me on LinkedIn. Um, get me on Facebook. Uh, just type my name in or go to forward slash sales gravy. Instagram, I'm forward slash sales gravy. Instagram's a great place because we post new videos all the time on Instagram. And on Twitter, I'm at sales gravy. And love it if you connect with me on Twitter. It's a great way for us to have a lot of conversations. Amazing. And I know you're speaking, obviously, at Outbound in, uh, in, in May, right? Are you, are you going to be speaking, Jeb, at Outbound? I'm gonna get you to say that again. That that um, you, you, yeah. you might want to. That totally um, was uh, washed out by the Wi-Fi. Do that no, one more time. No worries. So I know obviously you guys are running outbound in May. Uh, are you going to be personally speaking at outbound this year? Yeah. Yes, I will be. Outbound. I'll be the lead-off speaker. Um, the theme for outbound this year is play to win. So I'm going to come on stage and I'm going to start the the conference off with. Play to win, and that's what we're in, you know all about in sales. Is we want to win the game. We talk about win probability, how you bend that in your favor. So I'll uh, be starting off the conference. I'll be speaking several times, uh, and the conference is in Atlanta. And you can learn more about Outbound. Just go to outboundconference.com. Um, we are almost tickets. So if you hear this before the conference, make sure that you go and get your ticket. Jeb, it's been an absolute honor, honor, privilege. I can't thank you enough for your time. I've, I've learned so much in the last half an hour. Incredible. So thank you so much once again. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. I'm so grateful that you had me on. Awesome.